Now, one of the things, one of the things, if not the thing, that most of us get excited about for Christmas is the people we're going to spend it with. Uh, when I was growing up, for, until I was about 20, every Christmas, we went down to my grandma and grandpa Bliss's house, and we did that, I mean, every Christmas day, about 1 o'clock, after all the presents were open, we'd go down there. I lived about a mile from my grandparents, so we were there all the time, but this was the day when, like, everybody showed up. It was, like, the only time of the year everybody was there, all the aunts, all the uncles, all the cousins, all the babies. It was chaos, and it was wonderful, and I have so many great memories from Christmases as a kid, um, some of them being uh, food-related, you know, how holidays are. I remember at my grandma's, they had a back porch. It, was, it wasn't an open porch. It was, you know, windows and stuff, but it was, it was colder than the rest of the house, and they had a deep freeze out there, and that's where all the desserts were. So when you went to get a slice of the chocolate sheet cake that my grandma was famous for, it was always just a little bit chilled, and that's how I like it. Um, some of them were present-related. I remember... Uh, the Christmas of 1989, it was the year that the Batman movie with Michael Keaton came out, okay, big deal, and I got this Batman utility belt that had a dart gun, and for those of you that are of that era, you remember they were like those, um, they had the suction cup on the end, but they were like an orangish pink color, and they just made every mom frustrated because you could blast every little trinket off of every shelf. Yeah, I, I remember sitting at the top of my grandparents' stairs, just like sniping at my brother and my cousins as they went by. Great Christmas. Um, I also um, remember one Christmas that is very famous among the Bliss family is what affectionately became known as Christmas Bowl 94. This was a football game played with me, my brother, my cousin Andy, and my cousin Ryan. We all played together this football game outside, tackle. Why else would you do it, you know? And uh, uh, the... the Half of it was the game that was fun, but the other half was that my cousin Amy was recording the entire game on my grandpa's, you know, over-the-shoulder video camera that took the full-size VHS tapes, and her color commentary is gold, and she's making fun of us the whole time. And none of us have any idea that she's up there doing any of this, you know. She's just ripping on us the whole time for being buffoons. But I remember in the middle of this game, it was me and my brother, and we must have been losing at this point because my brother is so competitive. He comes over to me and he says, Anthony, on this next play, I don't care what you have to do. You stop Ryan. You stop him, okay? And I said, yeah, whatever you say. I got it. I got it. And so I'm standing here on the line. My cousin Ryan's coming at me, and my cousin Andy's got the football. He's the quarterback, and my brother's on him. And as soon as Andy says, hut, hut, hike, I just took a step and kicked my cousin Ryan straight between the legs. And he dropped like a stone. And my brother comes up to me and he says, Anthony, what are you doing? You said stop him. You said do whatever I had to do to stop him. And he's like, well, not that, anything but that. And uh, so that was good fun. I don't think that made it into the recording, unfortunately. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I've just got so many awesome memories from Christmases at my grandparents. But you know how, how life is, right? Things change, seasons pass, time passes and, you know, family members pass, those we loved aren't here anymore, people move, houses get sold, and, and we don't do Christmas quite like that anymore. In fact, every year Christmas is a little different. We're kind of doing, you know, we go to this family one year and this family another year, and we get excited when Christmas is on a Sunday because it means we don't have to spend any gas driving all over Illinois, you know. 
but it's just not the same anymore. And, um, you know, we're getting to that stage in life where the only time I see my cousins is at sad things, you know, funerals and whatnot. And, and I just cherish those times at my grandparents' house. And it wasn't the food and it wasn't the house. It was mostly because of the people that we were spending the holidays with. And for many of you, that's what makes Christmas exciting for you. It's that you're going to see some people that maybe you don't see all the time or maybe you don't see all together all the time. And whether you celebrate on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, the week before or the week after, it can be a very special time for you. Now, I, I did see this the other day, and I thought it was a great little statistic. The USA Today did a, oh, we blinking it? Man, what is the deal? I don't know. It doesn't do it until I get up here. Maybe it's bored too, and it's going to go to sleep. Anyway, uh, USA Today did a study, and they found that 87% of Americans would rather spend Christmas with their loved ones and have no presents, okay, Christmas with their loved ones and no presents than presents and no loved ones. Now, that says a couple of things. First thing it says is that there's 13% of Americans that are horrible, greedy jerks who don't love any of us. They'd rather have your stuff and forget you, okay? That's 13%. Um, but the other thing it tells us is that, the, is that the overwhelming majority of people, we're all kind of in the same boat. It's the people. It's the people that makes this time of year incredibly, incredibly special. And so we love the people. That's what this is all about. Now, um, in the middle of the Christmas story that we're mostly all very familiar with, there's a little interaction, a little family visit that we don't give a lot of press to. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but it is such a beautiful, beautiful interaction. And you find it in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, uh, start in verse 36. And if you want to use one of the Pew Bibles, it's going to be on page 855, page 855. And so as we get into this second installment of our series, Christmas Presents, we're going to talk about the people that you will be present with in a few weeks, the people that you are going to be spending the holidays with. Now, if you weren't here last week, we covered the part of the Christmas story that, was, that is pretty well known. Um, Mary, who's a, basically a normal, young Jewish girl, an angel visits her, tells her she's going to have a baby, and she says, say what now? I'm a virgin. I, I'm not even married. How is this going to happen? And the angel just says, God will make it possible. And, and Mary just says, sure, I'm in, sign me up. I want to be God's servant. And so you got to think, at that point in the story, Mary's the only one who knows what's going on here. Mary's the only one who knows that she's going to be pregnant and why she's going to be pregnant. That is a big deal because when you become miraculously pregnant, that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people when you're telling your family and friends that uh, you're pregnant. How did that happen? God did it. Um, sure he did. You know, there's, uh, it's hard to believe. And so Mary, though, she's the only one who really knows what's going on, except there's another little bit of the story, another very important character in the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, maybe, there we go, Luke chapter 1, starting 36. And behold, this is the angel still talking to Mary, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has also conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary, she wasn't the only one that God had given a miraculous baby to. Now, uh, Elizabeth was kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Whereas Mary was young and unmarried and, and had never been with a man, Elizabeth was older and married and had already passed her season of childbearing. So 
equally impossible stories of God enabling these women to become pregnant, but different ends of the seasons of life, different ends of a lifetime there. And so they were both pregnant with these impossible things, but as the angel Gabriel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And the story goes on. Verse 39 says, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah, that was Elizabeth, her cousin's husband, and she and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so, basically what's going on here is Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, the angel just said, Elizabeth, your relative, she's also very pregnant. And so Mary goes probably just because she just wants to see more of what God's doing. Like it's very obvious that God is up to something in this story. And it's even more obvious by the fact when you realize up until God spoke to these two families, he had been silent for 400 years. At this point in time, there was nobody alive who remembered the Old Testament stories where God showed up and did these amazing and miraculous things and where God audibly spoke to people. They were past that. No one in their lifetime remembered those things. And so these families that have angels show up to them, they're aware that God's got something cooking and they just want to see what it is. So Mary goes and sees Elizabeth, who's about six months pregnant. And Again, there's a lot of details in here that are so obvious when you sit and think about them, when you think about what it must be like to have your life just kind of turned upside down by an angel um, coming to visit you and telling you that you're going to be pregnant. Um, Because when Mary became pregnant, nobody probably would have believed her. Like I said, isn't that a weird story? Okay, if someone just turns up pregnant and they just said, how'd you get pregnant? God did it. Or you were unfaithful to your fiancé. Like, that's probably the more logical tale or you and your fiance couldn't wait until your wedding night like those are easier more logical conclusions than just to say it was an outright miracle this is a work of God because again nobody had seen anything like that in their lifetime and so for Mary to become pregnant that probably made her life worse from the outside I mean you can imagine the names that people would call her because in that culture being an unwed mother was a really 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 big deal They would have called her horrible things. She would have been considered not blessed, but a sinner. She would have been considered not someone that God was favoring, but somebody that would probably become an outcast in her little town that was about half the size of Loami. Okay, word gets around, you know how I mean? Like everybody would have known something was up, that Mary was this girl who got pregnant and couldn't wait till her wedding night, and now she's telling these ridiculous stories to cover it up. And so that's where Mary would have been. Nobody would have believed her. In fact, we see that her her own fiancé didn't believe her. Joseph was going to kind of end their engagement until finally an angel that God sent to him and said, Joseph, this is for real. What she says is true. And you're, just like I picked her to be the mother of my son, you're going to be the dad of my son. So no pressure. Good luck. And, and so Joseph is the only person that we can see that would have like been Mary's support system. Everybody else probably would not have believed what she was saying. And so then she goes down 
to see her cousin Elizabeth. And everything changes. Just for this brief time when she visits Elizabeth, everything changes. It wasn't scorn. It wasn't ridicule. It wasn't, oh yeah, sure, why would God pick you? What, quit telling ridiculous lies, Mary. We know the truth. It wouldn't have been anything like that. Because she goes to visit Elizabeth, and the second she walks in the door, it's just celebration and joy. Elizabeth, I think, I, I consider this a gift. Elizabeth gave her the gift of actually celebrating having a baby. Um, when uh, my wife, for those of you that don't know, my wife is pregnant, and we're not quite where Elizabeth is. We're about a month back. We just passed halfway about a month ago. And aside from actually getting a baby, which we hope will be fun, we've got two. We know it's not like fun. Like, I know what fun, you know what I mean by that. They're cute and cuddly. I know the other side of things, too. They stink and all that, and they keep you up at night, but you know, um, but aside from having a baby, the, I think the most fun part is telling people. Like, we agreed we weren't going to tell people, but every now and then someone would come by the house and I'm like, Abby, tell them. Abby, tell them. Just because it's fun to tell people. It's fun to have people celebrate with you and be happy for you and be excited about this. Um, a month ago when we found out we were having a girl, we uh, decided that we were going to video the telling the boys, and that's how we would tell our family. We would send that video to them. And so, uh, we told the boys one day, okay, today's the doctor visit where we're hopefully going to find out, boy or girl. So when you guys get home from school, at snack time, there will be cupcakes. And inside the cupcake, there will be blue whipped cream or pink whipped cream. If it's blue, it's a boy, and if it's pink, it's a girl. So we'll just have to see. So hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I think they just wanted the cupcakes, but <laughs> it added, it added something to, some, some, some level of suspense to the whole ordeal. And so we recorded them finding out and seeing their faces and having their different reactions, you know, because they're such different boys. And, and then we sent that to our family. And I remember just sitting there, sending that video and like sitting at the table, like waiting for everyone to freak out because I knew my family was going to freak out that it was a girl. My sister has wanted a niece for ages and all she gets is nephew, nephew, nephew. And she's wanted a girl to pass some clothes on to. And so I knew my family was going to freak out. And it was so incredibly fun just to celebrate with everybody. Mary hadn't had that until she went to see Elizabeth. And finally, that moment she walks in the door, somebody who's finally excited for her, somebody who finally would have met that need where she was excited for a baby, and finally somebody else could be for her too. And I think Elizabeth gave her the gift of actually celebrating this beautiful work that God was performing in her life. Another gift that Elizabeth would have been given, uh, giving to Mary was the reassurance that all of this was God's doing. Uh, you know, when you have somebody tell you something over and over and over again, even if it's not true, after a while, a while you kind of wonder if it's true. I mean, if you grew up in grade school, middle school, and you had anybody call you fat, scrawny, big nose, weird hair, big ears, whatever that thing was that they picked on you about, and they said it over and over and over again, you're a loser, you're this, you're that. After a while, even though those things aren't true, you kind of start to believe it. I mean, you do. You just hear it on repeat so often, it starts to feel true to you. And if everyone around Mary is saying, you're a sinner, you're so disgusting and dirty, how dare you break God's law and be so unfaithful? And she's like, no, but I, this is God's plan, and I'm, I'm not unfaithful. God said I was faithful, and that's why he chose me for this. And everyone just keeps telling her over and over and over again, no, 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 no. You start to doubt. You start to doubt. I see that in a congregation, there's, there's been moments where some of you, oh man, this is so clearly God's path. And six months later, things don't always work out. And you're like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. It's amazing how you can go from such a place of certainty to uncertainty in what God is doing in your life. 
And the second she walks in, Elizabeth, being filled with the Holy Spirit, basically just tells Mary, this is God's plan for you. And it is, you are so blessed by God, I count it an honor that you are even stepping foot in my house. And she would have reassured Mary that all of this was exactly as God intended. She was not a sinner, but she was faithful, and God had chosen her for this particular role, this amazing job to be the mother of the Lord. And yet an even greater gift, or maybe not greater, but it's another gift that I think is just a big deal. She could have given Mary the gift of normalcy of being a little bit normal for a while. If you get to the end of this passage of Scripture, you learn that Mary stayed there for three months. Three months. So it wasn't a small little weekend get-together. And, you know, they didn't have the post office or UPS, so I'm guessing Mary just showed up and said, hey, I'm here for three months. Like, you know, it's like, I, I hesitate to quote movies that aren't great, but Christmas Vacation when Cousin Eddie says, don't you fall in love with our RV, Clark, we're taking it with us when we leave here next month. Like, that's kind of, like, you, someone just shows up, and you're like, next month, what? You're like, she stays for three months. And what do you think they would have done during that three months? Probably just normal stuff with somebody who, uh, who was excited for her, the two ladies preparing to have babies. They probably would have made clothes because there weren't any Babies R Us or Carter stores in Jerusalem at the time, I don't think. And so they would have, you know, worked up whatever they used for diapers, you know. They would have have been gathering supplies and and prepping to have uh, children and to be moms. Like, it would have been this very normal time that probably nobody, again, was excited to do that with Mary except for Elizabeth. And she just blessed her so, so richly when you just think about how this story would have played out. When you just think of what these three months would have been like. I don't think too much of this stuff is a real giant leap into assumption. I think a lot of this is just how you treat people when you're excited for them and when you're their family. And so Elizabeth, maybe for the first time, shows Mary excitement and grace and celebration and I think all, a lot of that stuff, it's easy to miss. You know, sometimes when we read stories, we don't, we don't add our own details into the story. We don't think past what the words are giving us. And, and I think in this story, you have to, because there is so much that's going on behind the scenes. There is so much about the culture that you've got to understand about who would have been excited about Mary's pregnancy and who would not have been excited about Mary's pregnancy. And, and I just love the beauty of this meaningful visit that Mary and Elizabeth had. And, you know, uh, last week when we got into this, the Christmas story, we talked about how there was a lot of painful and messy stuff that maybe the authors didn't volunteer to us. They didn't give us a lot of the, the messier details um, that can tend to pop up. Well, I think Christmas for us is a lot like when you talk through the Christmas story. There's, there's a lot of messy stuff in there. And for some reason, Christmas tends to dredge up all that messy stuff from your life. Whether there's pain from losing someone, the pain of of self-doubt, whether it's depression or the fact that your family might get together but there's somebody not there because you don't get along anymore. This holidays, I don't think they make problems necessarily, but they bring all the problems, all the pain, all the hurt right to center stage in your life and, and and you get to glare at it and it becomes a present memory every single day for like a month straight of the Christmas season. And these holidays just tend to accentuate all that pain, self-doubt, sometimes shame and guilt. And I wonder, for a lot of people who feel this stuff, a lot of us don't talk about it, honestly, but a lot of people who feel that stuff, and the people that you're going to see in a few weeks as you get together for Christmas, how many people could you bless this year with your presence? How many people in your life 
might be getting beaten up by people, by circumstances, and by stuff, and you could just be that surprising Elizabeth-type figure where you come in and you listen to them, and you hear them. You give them your full attention for a conversation, and you listen to what they're going through, and you listen to, to how their life is going, or maybe it's somebody that you love, and you just encourage the goodness out of them, knowing maybe they haven't had the, last, uh, the best last three months of their life, and so you will encounter people who are going through all of this myriad of negative things, and you will have the opportunity to engage them and love them like Jesus loves them. You will have the, the opportunity to speak the truth of God into their life, that they're valuable, that they're loved, that they have grace and mercy and kindness. You will maybe be able to speak hope and encouragement to them, again, for the, maybe the first time in a long time. We don't know how long Mary waited to go see Elizabeth. It probably wasn't terribly long, but if she had told anybody her story, it would have it just been like, uh-huh, sure, sure, ridicule, ridicule, ridicule. And so maybe you can be somebody who, like Elizabeth, gives love and grace for the first time in a long time. And so what I want you to understand is as you go through Christmas this year, maybe your presence is God's plan. Maybe you, maybe you, just being with somebody, being present. Okay? And by present, I mean you're not, oh no, look at our calendar, we got a million things we're going through, scrolling on your phone, or not, oh, I got so much shopping to do, I'm panicking. But I mean stopping and actually being in the moment with the people that are there. You give them your actual presence, C-E, not T-S. And you, again, talk to them. You look them in the eye. You, you maybe give them a good hug. And I think of all the people that you're going to encounter that you might have the chance to love on this year. Who can you give the gift of your presence to? Who do you know that maybe has had a hard year and someone who could benefit from being invited over for dinner? Because bouncing around the house gets a little lonely this time of year. How many people do you know that maybe need a card? Someone who might just need a thank you. Someone that you might... Uh, just need to stop and say, you mean the world to me. I don't know if I've told you this for all, but you are so appreciated, and we love you, and we just want you to, to know that. Uh, Abby and I had the opportunity to do that recently. We had somebody in our, our life that had just a lot of things going on, and you could just tell by talking to him that things were piling up on their shoulders, and that we just kind of were talking one. it was like, we can take this one weight off their shoulder and take it away. We can't take all of them away, but we can help with one thing, and we just kind of talked about it, and we did. And we, walk, we kind of walked into the life, and we said, this thing that you're really worried about, got it. Don't worry about it. We love you. You're appreciated. We're doing it because we love you. Merry Christmas. And that is such a, a blessed moment to have that opportunity. And if I'd have been so concerned about all the things that we had going on and been so worried about what, what we had to do and all the shopping and all the presents and families coming over and how are we going to fit everybody into our house and oh my gosh, who's going to say something horribly racist at the dinner table on Christmas this year? You know, if I could have been worried about all of that stuff, right, and missed their problems. But when you sit and you listen and you be present, you can be such a blessing to people. And, and I th what I think is most of us underestimate our ability to be the hands and feet of God for people. Most of us underestimate our ability to step into someone's life and be a blessing to them. Do not do that this year. So when you encounter people this year, I got some questions that I think you can ask. And this is, a, I'm, I tried to make these rhyme, so they get a little lame. I apologize. Uh, so one, who needs you? Who needs you? Who, who in your life that maybe nobody else is paying attention to? And you can walk up and just be a blessing to them. Who needs you? Whose hurt can you heal? Who's hurt? Can you heal? Not everybody's, not everything. 
But there might be somebody that you can just give them a little bit of life in a season where they're just not feeling it. Whose pain needs your presence? And my favorite, who is lacking? Who is lacking that can be blessed by your yakking? The dad joke side of me just loved that when I thought of that. Who's, who is lacking that can be blessed by your yakking? And I know that's dumb. I know those are dumb. But I just want us to think, this is a time of year where we have extraordinary opportunities to bless people, where there are people who have maybe more needs or they're more aware of their needs and they're more willing to accept help than any other time of the year. And you can be a tremendous blessing to people this year just simply by laying aside what's going on, all the busyness, all the hurry, and being present. And I don't mean to add more to your to-do list. I know you got plenty going on. I know you do. I got stuff going on. You got stuff going on. But again, if we are so wrapped up in us, we will miss what God is trying to do through us in the lives of other people. So be present this Christmas, and you just might be surprised how God shows up in your life and uses you in someone else's life. Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful for the ways you choose to use us. I pray this year that we would be present, that we would be open. Just like Elizabeth was willing to have Mary just show up on her doorstep and stay three months, I pray that we can be people who are open to being a little interrupted this year. We're open to the the interactions that you are going to create this year. And I pray that we would trust you to put us in the places where you are going to use us. And so I pray that our heart this morning is, is that we want to be, be present for other people. We want to be a blessing to other people. We want to serve other people as we go out into this Christmas spirit. I pray that we don't get overwhelmed with all that's going on so that we miss seeing the opportunities to help someone that are right in front of us, the opportunities that you've set there. So Lord, we thank you for this chance to be a blessing. We thank you for being a God who's going to use a bunch of people that are imperfect, people that are maybe hurting this time of year too. But it's amazing how you can draw us together, and even when we're hurting, we can still carry some of the weight of somebody else who's hurting. So help us this year to be present. Let us be driven and inspired by the fact that you are present in our lives, that you sent your son to be present in our world, to live in our shoes, and to take away our sins so that we could one day be present with you forever in heaven. And I pray that we would be driven by your love and by your grace to show that same love and grace to others every day of the year, but especially in this Christmas season. Thank you so much for your son coming into our world. We are truly blessed by you, and I pray that we see the ways that we can be a blessing to others. Thank you for Jesus and the salvation he brings and the hope we have forever in him. We pray all this in his good and holy name. Amen.